center and coming in is Loom. Millendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour underway on a Thursday, April 20th. Geez, the months just keep on rolling along. Weird how that works. It's crazy how it works. I just keep getting one older. after the I other. I don't even know how it works. It's amazing. Steinberg and Vickers along with you. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Flames Talk always live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan and wherever you get your podcasts on demand. Go ahead and subscribe. Take us wherever you want on Apple or Spotify or Google or Amazon. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there for you. So here we are. It's Thursday, April 20th. It was Friday the 14th that Locker Cleanout Day uh, happened Friday, April 14th. So it's been less than a week. Since we were sitting there at the Scotiabank Saddledome for the marathon day that is Locker Cleanout Day. And honestly, we have not scratched the surface of what went down. There was so much that was said. You know, last hour on uh, the first hour of Thursday's Flames Talk, Brent Cron kicked us off. And he asked about how candid the guys were. And you said, surprisingly candid. Yeah. And we're talking about publicly with us. And and we know that there was there was a lot of ground-covered behind closed doors in the exit interviews that really mattered. Um, but yeah, even what we found out, whether it was Michael Backlund or Elias Lindholm, which was the big story of Friday, or a lot of other players, it was a very candid and honest locker cleanout day six days ago. There was no hiding, no cliche tossing. It was very... I don't even want to say heart to heart, but very open. There was a lot of openness from the members of the Calgary Flames to us, the media, in our queries and questions. And honestly, to a level that I was a little surprised about. It's not often you get two players kind of be that noncommittal in Backlund and Lindholm in terms of, I don't know if I'm going to stick around. Then you add in the wrinkle of Milan Lucic and, and his future plans, and he was quite honest and candid and to be perfectly honest, to a degree, I think a little bit emotional at times. It's just good from a collective to to have that aired. And, and I guess not to pump tires, but a lot of that speaks to the relationship from the players to us, us to the players. But it was just, okay. it was, it was, it was, Easy tire it was more honesty than I expected to hear given how the entire season unfolded. You know, you could just as easily spin that and say it's because of the relationship that the fans have with the players and the and we're just the conduit and we're just the idiots who are uh who are there look at you finessing that answer you know we get we get we get called privileged and 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 we are other names enough i don't need to invite more (laughs) oh listen to the media guys talking about how awesome they are throw my shoulder pat myself on the back yeah yeah i'm surprised that you have any shoulder left that rotator cuff's probably gone from all the times you've done that Oof. Uh, you, you mentioned Lucic. Let's yeah. start there. Um, because I, I don't think you're off base at all when you say that Milan Lucic was borderline emotional. I thought he was quite emotional when he spoke with us on Friday. He was sitting there, sat down at uh, at a table at the podium in front of us. 
Uh, now I got to go look at who he was sitting with because I don't remember. Do you remember who he was sitting with? I labeled it in my phone. Noah Hannafin. Uh, Milan Lucic was sitting right beside Noah Hannafin, and Noah was asked about his future, and that's a topic that we can get into down the road. But before we hear part of what we um, got from Milan Lucic six days ago, what were your impressions? What what was the main takeaway? for you from Milan's meeting with us? Well, the biggest, and I don't know if it's in the next clip or not, but him almost being relieved that his contract was over, Definitely that it weighed on him, that it was heavy. And that is a that takes a lot of honesty that, you know, he wore that contract and he was making a lot of money and he wasn't producing a lot. But to me, the expectation of Milan Lucic as a Calgary Flame wasn't a 30-goal, 60-point guy making $6 million. So when he comes out and says, you know what, I'm kind of glad this contract is over because it was heavy, to me is maybe one of the most honest things we heard that day. You don't often hear a player say, sans Roberto Luongo, who said my contract sucks. You don't hear a lot of players go, I'm glad I can put that contract and that money in the rearview mirror and look ahead. It was, uh, there were, were kind of, Three main takeaways from what we heard from Milan Lucic, and we know that Lucic is one of the the most honest guys, and and you always you always get something from him when he talks to us. He's such a astute hockey guy. He studies the league. He's a fan of the game. He's a historian. All that type of stuff. So you always it's always engaging when you talk to Milan. Um, so the three things: number one was that the weight that was on his shoulders over that seven-year deal that he signed with the Edmonton Oilers. Going back to that year where it was maybe the worst year of free agency ever. Guys that were, you know, Andrew Ladd signed that deal and Kyle Opozo signed his deal. And it was just a rough, rough, I think Franz Nielsen signed a really rough deal that year. Anyway, so that that was one. Number two, sounded like he's at peace with a change of scenery and going in a different direction and maybe parting ways from seven years in Alberta. And number three was the gratitude that he has for the city of Calgary and flames fans and, and how they kind of re-energized his career and were a big reason why he found loving the game again. Let's hear from uh, Milan Lucic. Now he spoke for a long time, but this is just a, a snippet of what we heard on locker cleanout day. I definitely still want to continue playing, and that's that's where my uh, that's where my head is at. I'm still healthy, and you know, still feel good, and still enjoy the game. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely my plan is to continue playing. Continue playing. Uh, honestly, I haven't I haven't really thought about where or anything like that. I definitely have to weigh out my options and uh you know see who's interested and and all that type of stuff and you know what uh i've spent the last seven years here in alberta you know i've i've enjoyed it to be honest i'm i'm actually really happy that this contract's over because <laughs> of the heaviness of it you know i've uh you know Obviously, it didn't go as well as I had hoped. Um, so, yeah, I just need to, you know, refresh my mind as far as that stuff goes and then weigh all my options moving forward. Weigh on you day to day? Of course it did. I mean, you know, when you, you want to live up to the expectations of, 
of you know what you're getting paid and and all that type of stuff and and you know for myself I've I've I'm you know I'm I'm a, I'm a proud person you know and uh by no means do I feel like I didn't earn it I definitely did earn it and but to not be able to live up to it was definitely something that weighed on me you know day to day and you know it's just from a personal standpoint it's just you know it 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 was it was hard to deal with at times but like i said it's like a weight lifted off my shoulder moving forward that you know i don't have to think about it anymore what will stand out about your time in calgary i know the fans just such an affinity for it but what will, what will you remember most about your time in calgary and if so is there a message to calgarians um you know it's it, honestly like i uh the people and the fans and and living here is was much better than i thought it would be when i got traded here so i really enjoyed being a calgarian and i really enjoyed um even even when I didn't even touch the puck, I was just going in on a four check and the fans just looing, you know, you know, yelling loo and all that type of stuff. It was it was I gotta say they 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 made it fun for me again. And I thank the people here for that and I appreciate um them making it fun for me again and you know it talked about coming to the rink every day and having fun coming here and playing home games the fans made it fun every, every single day for me so um you know that's 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 the message that i have and i thank uh them for for all that so that was milan lucic on locker cleanout day just a, a snippet of what we heard from milan um, and let's let's start with the end, and then we can get into the future. But the the, the last part there, when uh, Ryan Leslie asked him about the the kind of message to Flames fans if he is indeed not back next year, and, and I thought that was pretty heartfelt. That's the part where he got pretty emotional, and and you followed up with him afterwards about you know how close he was to retiring prior to coming to Calgary and all that type of stuff. I, th- I think it's safe to say that that joining the Flames and being traded from Edmonton, as much as the contracts for both guys were never ideal. It it was something that that re-energized his career. There's no doubt about it. And he was after a really good first year at Edmonton for Lucic. He it really dropped off from there. And his final stretch in Calgary, the like he was far more effective as a member of the Flames than he was in those final years in Edmonton. No doubt about that. Can we put to bed now officially that the Calgary Flames won the Milan Lucic James well, Neal tell, swap? Uh, don't tell Oilers fans that they will still tell you that they won because they were able to buy James Neal out and blah blah blah. blah. They gave up the pick and uh, anyway, I, I digress. Think, I think the Flames did win the deal. I think as soon as the NHL said that the Flames got to have that pick, then they won the deal. That was my opinion, but Oilers fans will take that to their grave that there's no way that they won. Back to Milan. 
back to Milan. And yeah, the, it was, I'm sure it was an after hours segment with Scott Oak. It was. Where he was real close to hanging him up and it wasn't fun coming to the rink and doing his job. And the childhood dream wasn't a dream anymore. It was becoming more work than fun. And a lot of credit to Jeff Ward on that, because I believe he credited Jeff Ward, who was an assistant in Boston when Milan Lucic was in Boston. Yes. Helped him find the love of the game again. But you listen to that clip. Yeah, the Calgary Flames fans played an integral role in that. Milan Lucic did not get a rough ride whatsoever in Calgary. And yes, his contract was what it was. But part of it is Calgary Flames got a player back that was useful, honest, hardworking, somebody you could rally around for a guy that wasn't really liked in the city. So automatically he's in a better spot coming to Calgary than Edmonton. And he talked about it, the lose. He doesn't even need to have the puck. He can be going in on the four check and, and he can hear him. And we talked to him about it. I don't know how frequently we do, but quite often over his course in the time of the Calgary flames, he's like, yeah, you can hear it. Well, I remember it he energizes. You. He endeared himself to Flames fans in his first game, regular season game as a member of the Flames. I remember it vividly um, because he went right after Nikita Zadorov as a member of the Avalanche in Game One of his uh, his first season. So he gets the Flames win the Western Conference under Bill Peters, and they go out to the Avalanche in round one. Zadorov was a big part of the Avalanche winning that series in five games. They go out, they make the trade, swapping Neil for Lucic, and Calgary's first game the following season was against the Avalanche in Denver. They lose the game, but uh, Zadorov was still there, and Lucic went right after him in game one. And it was, I remember getting a couple of texts from members of the Flames saying, we won the trade, because uh, that, that was what they were looking for. And I remember the text line and some of the callers post game after that game. And they're like, man, we didn't have that element last year. And, and so he endeared himself to a lot of people in the organization and fans of the flames with that. Was that the punch right to the face? Am I I remembering right? Or did they fight? uh, No, it was, uh, he, I believe he uh, clocked him in the face. Um, and he did, he did another similar thing to, I believe Kiefer Sherwood. I believe it was him. In Columbus? Now I don't remember who it he was. He got suspended for and one of them. And he got suspended for that one. Okay. I think it was Kiefer Sherwood, but maybe it was a similar name. Now i got to go back. Yeah, so he's got he's got the lose, whether he's shooting, whether he's in on the four check, and that played a big part in him finding the love again. The teammates made it fun for him to come to the rink again, so that played an integral part. And I was... It wasn't played in that clip there, but he talked about the weight of the contract. No, it was. And it was the very, the very beginning of the clip, it was. Well, no, uh, I asked him about the production part, oh, though. Oh, yes. Because I wanted to follow up, because he's, yes. he's like, he felt he earned it, but he didn't live up to it. So I was like, well, what part didn't you live up to? Because in his four seasons with the Calgary Flames, the expectation was, and he's going to produce like a $6 million man. It was, you come in, you provide a physical presence, you f- provide a nuclear deterrent as the league's reigning heavyweight champion, and you, you play honest, straightforward, north-south game, and from that element, maybe it was just the expectations I had of what Milan Lucic was going to bring the Calgary Flames was just that. No, but I never, I, fa- I never factored in the fact that he's like, oh, the production, the lack of production still weighs on me. Well, but I mean, when you think about it, he signed a seven-year, forty-two million dollar yep. deal, and he signed that deal because he had come off a twenty-goal, fifty-five point season with the LA Kings, and he was still at that point. Th- 
pretty close to his, like it wasn't that far removed from winning a Stanley Cup in Boston and wasn't that far removed from being like a perennial 60-point guy. He goes there and has a, a great first season in Edmonton and then it goes off the rails from there. And then there was some, absolutely some off-the-ice stuff that played into it, uh, but it, it really it really went south with Edmonton. And I get it. Like you sign that type of contract in a Canadian market and it especially in a market like Edmonton, where at the time they were not a great team yet. And they were waiting to be a good team. And the expectations in Edmonton are always through the road. He was going to be McDavid's protector. And it didn't necessarily after a good year one go very well. And I I can understand why there might've been some weight. Now, all of that being said, he, as he said, had a lot of weight on his shoulders. His contract is now done. Where are you on the Flames bringing Milan Lucic back at an obviously lesser salary? I think both the player and the organization, and we heard it from, from Milan Lucic, he doesn't necessarily know where that next contract's coming from, but I think this is a situation where the player and the organization can both part on good terms. Lucic did what he was asked of him. The organization gave him an opportunity to find the love of the game again. Both sides are probably pretty happy with how things closed. I mean, lack of playoffs aside, just their personal relationships between the two. But I could see him going to any other number of teams with this sort of, I don't want to call it newfound love because, I mean, that Jeff Ward, Scott Oak, after hours interview was feels like a decade ago now. I think it was three years ago now. But I think some freshness for Milan Lucic would be a good thing as well. And I do think, you mentioned coming back on a, on a really cheap contract. I think it's time... And we don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's time that the Calgary Flames rolled with a fourth line where your average age is 23. Yeah, I'm 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 of that same opinion. I think this is a really good time to shake hands, say, hey, thanks. And, yeah. and you know, you, you did what we asked you to do. Uh, they weren't bringing Milan Lucic in to be 60-point Milan Lucic. They were bringing him in to be physical to be a guy that that could be a leader that could add a little bit of that nuclear deterrent or intimidation or whatever all that type of stuff shake the hand say hey thank you for being here you did what was asked of you in our in the playoffs you were pretty helpful you know even look back to i know he only had one point in the the 21 run and ever nobody was good against edmonton but in the Dallas series, that line, that fourth line, whether Brett Ritchie was on it, Trevor Lewis was on it, Milan Lucic was on it, that fourth line actually was quite important in winning that series against Dallas and some of the wins they had. But yeah, I think you can move on because I'm, I'm exactly where you are. I think, and especially if Daryl Sutter remains that coach of this team, if you want young players to play, you have to have young players as the players available. And and that's that's how you're going to have a young fourth line because and and, and I love Trevor Lewis. I think I, I'm one of the I'm one of the guys that would push back on the why is Trevor Lewis staying in the lineup? Well, he stayed in the lineup because he was a good penalty killer and he did his job very well as a fourth line center. For but he's also and I I the two seasons Trevor Lewis spent in Calgary, you got exactly what you're looking for from him. But at the same time. I think a younger fourth line is still the way to go. So if they, I think Lewis can still play in this league. I think Lucic can still play in this league. And, and I also think the flames can be younger on their fourth line. And so 
if you were to go with a Walker Dewar and I don't even know who your fourth line center would be, but if you were to go Walker Dewar and another younger winger and a younger center, and that is what's available to this coaching staff at training camp, well, that's how you have a younger fourth line. Well, I was kind of giggling isn't the right word, but, and I understand why it never came to fruition, but you're looking late March, early April, and the quote-unquote designated fifth line of Jacob Pelche on left, Adam Rizicka in the middle, and at times Walker Dewar on the right. I'm like, that would be a fourth line I'd be curious to see out there because you've got speed, you've got tenacity, and you've got some skill. I wouldn't mind seeing... And now, now, Coronado's going to have to prove it in camp, Yeah, but I wouldn't mind... Could Coronado as a middle six scoring winger work in year one? Maybe not. Maybe he needs some time in the American League. We'll see. But... If you were to go, and again, depends on what the hell else happens here and, and what happens. Which could Lindland, be a lot. Backlund, Backlund, right? But if they were to go Ruzicka, Pelche as a, Ruzicka, Pelche, Dewar as a line, and and it ends up being your fourth line, maybe Lindholm and Backlund don't get traded this summer and you're still rolling with those three guys as center. I wouldn't mind Ruzicka, Pelche, and, and Dewar being a fourth line for you because... I don't think that that hurts Pelche. I don't think it hurts Ruzicka because you're not asking Ruzicka to play with Lucic and You're giving him higher skilled players to be around. Even if if they're playing 11, 12 minutes, but Dewar and Pelche are both very strong two-way players and and think the game in that regard. Well, I wouldn't mind something like that. So long story short, that's why I would not bring back a guy like Milan, I, I would move on, but move on, as you said, amicably. Yes, and that's the word. We we liked what you brought us. Thank you for your four seasons with us. And obviously, he was he's very grateful for the opportunity the Flames gave him in his time in Calgary and move on. And maybe he's back in Boston or maybe he goes back home and he's playing in Seattle or Vancouver or some of that. I don't know. But that's that's how I would go about it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I really would have liked to see a more youthful fourth line. We didn't get to see it. Potentially, if the new GM constructs the roster with cap considerations, because again, the Calgary Flames are going to be right up against it. They already are, as it looks to next season. You're going to need some of those youthful entry-level deals or cheap deals, which again, you could, in theory, sign Milan Lucic to a cheap deal. Again, I don't know what the market is for Milan Lucic. Maybe he goes for more than a cheap deal as a guy that still is the reigning heavyweight champion and has Stanley Cup experience. But I do think it's time for the Calgary Flames to pivot away from veterans to a degree and and give some of the kids a chance. I uh, hesitate in using this man's on the air uh, name on the air because the last time I did, one of his friends heard something and then completely twisted into something it wasn't, and then this man was all concerned and, and upset at me. He wasn't upset at me. He was like, did you actually say this? I'm like, no, I didn't say this. Ooh. Anyway, um, Every once in a while, Sean Kelso of the award-winning Flames PR staff. Dillman award-winning. Uh, the Dillman award-winning PR staff. Best in the business. Every every once in a while, Kelso will come up to me and ask a quite thought-provoking question. I remember he did it when Brian McGratton was here. He's like, Patty, name me one person in the NHL that you would take in a fight over Brian McGratton. And I couldn't do it. And now, it's kind of like, name a guy that you could definitively say, and, and Kels has asked me this question recently as well, name a guy that you could definitively say 
beats Milan Lucic in a fight. Like you guaranteed beats you in a fight, right? Like it's like, okay, well, you can definitively say that 97% of the world beats me up in a fight, right? Like if you put me in a fight with 97% of the world, I'm probably going to lose the fight. But definitively, I, I don't know. The only the guy that we have not seen and that I want to see, but I can't definitively say would win is Reeves. And we almost so got close. that. We almost got that late in the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're right. It's the other element is not a lot of guys are willing to test Milan Lucic. He only had three fights this year. There's not a lot of guys it's willing. It's a different world in the NHL, too. Yes. Right? But there's also. It's a shrinking pool of candidates for starters. And fighting isn't as prevalent as it once was, but like the pool of guys even willing to challenge that is small. And I think who did he give it to? He was on he was on a podcast. I can't remember what the podcast was, but I think he might have given McDermott the nod, but only because and he prefaced it. He didn't give Reeves the toughest guy mantle because he hasn't fought Reeves. And we've seen Luch fight McDermott and win. Yeah. So that's why I say definitively who could beat that guy in a fight. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent. And um, I do appreciate Milan's time here. And his honesty with the I, media. I appreciate, yeah, how he dealt with us. And even when even when you could tell that he wanted to snap you in half with a question and he was staring daggers through you while discipline. answering, <laughs> he still gave you a great answer, which I always appreciate. I want to read you a few texts, 960, 960. Uh, this says, I'm a 3%er, Pat. I couldn't and wouldn't beat you up. You probably could, but I'm glad you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> this says, uh, didn't Luch once vow to never play in Vancouver because of the way he was treated by fans there after they had beat them in the cup final that year? Maybe. I, and, and I believe you that he has. I don't remember that myself, but that doesn't mean it's not true. That sounds like something that could be true. So I don't. I can't confirm or deny that, but that sounds right to me. Um, and maybe it's Seattle. You know, he's a Pacific Northwest guy. He's a he's a lower mainland guy. Well, Seattle, if it's not going to be Van, Seattle's the next best thing. Um, this says, if I recall, that game in Colorado you were talking about, Lucic was defending Austin Zarnik, who Zadorov had just blown up. Bang on. That's exactly what happened. Zadorov laid Zarnik out with what, what I think was a clean hit. And it's tough with Zadorov. Remember Zadorov's hit on David Kampf of the was it Kampf of the Maple Leafs? Where again he blew him up in the Yes, yes. And it was like, was that a hit to the head? Was that a... and you're like, no, nah, I don't like what else is well, one's, What one else is Zadorov supposed six, to seven, do? And the other guy's five seven. I even is... remember when the Leafs jumped him, he's like, What what do you want me to do? I can't <laughs> help it. I'm six nine or whatever I am. Um, this says, uh, as an Oilers fan, I was super happy to see Lucic return to the style of rough play. He's so good at always like Lucic. Uh, this says flames fans just want players who want to be here. That's why we love Lucic. This reads Calgary won that trade just to see Lucic in a tiny leather jacket and cowboy hat. How about the, uh, Canadian tuxedo? He rocked a game. I was going to say the game 82 Canadian tux was outstanding. Uh, this says if Lucic signs elsewhere, which is likely at this point, who's going to fill his spot as this team's next enforcer? I don't know. And, and this is not a knock on Milan as much as it is. And it was a thank you to the text line. It was Andre Kasha, not David Kampf. Thank you very much. It was Kasha that he blew up in that game in front of half capacity against the Maple Leafs. Um, do you need an enforcer in 2023? I don't think you do. I don't think you do if you've got a guy like Nikita Zadorov on your back end who's not going to fight day in, day out, but if something goes a little squirrely, you've still got a guy that can throw him. I like that. 
If you and, had like, and if you even want to go back to last year, if you had Eric Goodbranson on your roster, but you didn't have Milan Lucic, I still think you're pretty yep. comfortable. So I don't think you need someone that is a true heavyweight in this stage of the game. If you have somebody that can throw them, that's great, but that can't be their first, second, or third best attribute. I think you want a guy like if you could have a guy like Tanner Janot, that a guy that plays and plays in your top nine and is he contributes, but also is tough as nails and can drop like that. That's the type of guy. That's the enforcer mm-hmm. for me these days. And there's not a lot of those guys. And that's why I think Zadorov is a pretty good example of that because yeah, Zadorov will uh, he'll he'll get involved and. Use his imposing frame on everyone. I just while. picture him holding like the head and helmet of the opposing fighter, and just the fighter just swinging away, but can't reach. Yeah. Uh, hey, we'll see what happens with Milan. We'll see if the Flames do. And it, it feels like they're going in a different direction. But uh, and if they do, salute to Milan for a good four seasons for what he was asked to do as a member of the Flames, and and wish him. Uh, luck elsewhere with maybe would be his fifth NHL team, Boston, LA, Edmonton, yep. Calgary. And is it a new team? Yeah. What if he goes go back, back to Boston or back to LA? Um, there could be lots of different places for him. And I do think Milan will play next year and should play next year, especially when you talk about what the contract may or may not be uh, a less expensive and a smaller cap hit. I think that Milan Lucic is still an NHLer, in my opinion, for for what he's asked to do. It's Pat and Vickers along with you. This hour of Flames Talk underway. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's go inside hockey now for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. As uh, we continue along on this hour of Flamestock, I learned something new today. Uh, I learned that... uh, the quick way to do Celsius to Fahrenheit is double Celsius and add 30. So it's uh, about 36 degrees Fahrenheit in Calgary right now. Why does that matter? Well, as we go inside hockey, we join our buddy Jonathan Davis, uh, our NHL Network Radio Pacific Division insider who joins us every week here on Flamestock. I mention this because uh, JD's with us in Cabo right now. So a um, little bit higher than 36 degrees Fahrenheit, I take it. It is. And Pat, I can't believe it took you that long to learn that trick well why why would i I live in this country fahrenheit is stupid so why would i ever learn it (laughs) every other country in the world uses celsius you're from this country you should have you should agree with me and there should be no disagreement no because i remember being when when i was just in in school i couldn't the whole thing of kilometers meters kilometers i mean centimeters i don't know It, it, it was just way i don't know i never got into it 
I was always more American than Canadian. Okay. I can still remember getting I, – I remember doing an English paper, and I spelled color, C-O-L-O-R, and I got a mistake. Right, because, of course, that's how we spell – uh, that's how we spell color yeah. um, with the U. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. uh, how is how is Cabo, by the way? Yeah, it's really bad. It's just <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there, I don't think there's ever a bad day in Cabo. No, I don't think so. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's let's dive in, my friend, on on the Pacific Division. Are you? Is this right? You're like uh, Thursday night. You're doing Ice Cap on uh, Sirius XM from Cabo. I am, of course. Take your little kit with you. I time. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Wife's not thrilled about it, but you know, <laughs> that's all right. have to, you know. The price it's the price of but being yeah. married to someone in this stupid industry. It's, it's, it goes along uh, with the territory. I told her before we booked the trip. I told her before we booked the trip that there's a good chance I'm going to have to work on Thursday. But whatever, we digress. What uh, would you make a game two between the Kings and Oilers? I want I, we, we usually bring you on Wednesday, but I wanted to I wanted yeah. to do Thursday this week because it would give us an opportunity to talk about six plus periods of hockey between the Kings and the Oilers. And LA is the team that you cover most closely as our Pacific Division insider. What have you made so far the first two games in Edmonton? Well, uh, that that you know the Kings you know stick to a formula and when executed. They, they do a really good job, and they've, they've done a phenomenal job on, on Connor. I mean, what, held him to one power play point in the two games, and I think they, they've done, you know, they, they've done a, a good job of not, you know, letting him, you know, for the most part, you know, get a lot of grade-A opportunities, you know, outside of the, the, the penalty he drew on Mikey Anderson when, you know, he dusted him. But always, you know, they, they, they find a way to hang around, and, you know, as Leon talked about after the game last night with, I think or Connor did with Scott Oak, you know, they just, they, they haven't been able to put them away and there's a good goalie on the other side. And that's why LA made the deal for Corpus Allo. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's had to be great. Not, not that he hasn't, he hasn't been good, but he hasn't had to be great, but he's made the saves when he's had to. And, you know, I, I give credit to Stuart Skinner for, for bouncing back after, you know, a goal that he gave up that, you know, that tied that game with 16 seconds to go, you know, I think Kings fans were hoping that that's something that would kind of play head games with him going into game two, and I don't think it did. Well, and, and I mean, even give Stuart Skinner for bouncing back after the, the 2-2 goal on, on Wednesday night, the Gabe Velarde goal that probably yeah. he would have liked yeah. to have back and, and bounce back nicely, shut the door in the third period, and, you know, Clem Costin gets the game winner, and they go on to win 4-2. So, yeah, it, a couple of things have struck me. First of all, the way that L.A. has hung around, that's two 2 nothing deficits that they've had in this, uh, in this series, and they've found a way to tie the game on both fronts one time they win in overtime the other time they lose and and the other thing that's really stuck out to me is yes Connor McDavid has not been the factor that we're used to him being but we saw this with one leg in the battle of Alberta last year but but that guy that guy who wears 29 and I hate saying it it's like throw up in my mouth but that guy turns into a completely different human in the playoffs and he he's already you know, he had a hundred plus points again and, and was out of his mind again in the regular season. I have been blown away by Leon Dreisaitl in the first two games of this series. I hate it, but it's true. Yeah. And absolutely. He has been, he's been a beast. And then, you know, the other side of the coin, 
you've got Adrian Kempe, and I think that for those who haven't had a chance to watch Agreed. the Kings, you know, especially the last two years, I mean, I think this has been a coming out party for him, at least for a national audience. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the two players that have stood out, uh, that have really carried their team through, through, you know, these first two games. I mean, they've had such a great impact, but yeah, look, I don't think anything that we're seeing, you know, at the end of the day, what you had three or four points that separated these two teams. Uh, so should we, you know, I don't think we should be surprised that, you know, we're tied at one and look, I never get concerned or, or I, you know, I always tell people that unless you think you're going to get swept or you're going to be, you're going to sweep the other team. Don't be concerned about losing, whether it's game one, game two, you can start to worry at game five. Don't worry early on because, you know, most times you think you're, you're, you're going to be in a six-game series, and uh, how you get there really doesn't matter to me, yeah. to be honest with you. How, uh, so what we've seen so far, two very close hockey games, series shifts back to Crypto.com and SoCal. You're expecting very much kind of more of what we've seen to this point in, in games three and four? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Edmonton, you know, would, would prefer to keep the games lower scoring. I mean, that, 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 that was their MO down the stretch. I mean, they did a really good job of, of, of defending. And so I, yeah, I don't think that, not that look, it's kind of weird for hard for me or it's, it's weird saying Edmonton wants to keep it low scoring, but that, that's really what, what works so well for them. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I expect much of the same. I mean, I, I just don't, you know, we're not seeing a, a grave difference. I, I'm, I don't know really, you know, I think what we've seen, you know, we, we, you look at the last two games of the regular season, you had a 2 nothing and a 3-1 game between these two teams. So, you know, we're, we've pretty much seen this all year. It shouldn't be a, a surprise, and mm-hmm. it becomes a chess match. And so, you know, uh, we'll see who, who can get checkmate. We're chatting with Jonathan Davis. He is our Pacific Division insider. He joins us every week here on Sportsnet 960 and Flames Talk from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Uh, four Pacific Division teams still playing. Two of them playing against one another, as we just talked about, Edmonton and Los Angeles. Series tied 1-1, shifting back to L.A. for Game 3. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, the other two who play on this uh, Thursday night, starting with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, they draw an avalanche team as a defending stand Cup champs, but an Avalanche team that may or may not have Kale McCarr at 100% does not have Gabriel Landeskog, and and that we know will be the case the remainder of the postseason. And they go into Colorado and they take an impressive Game One victory for their first ever playoff victory in franchise history. What uh, what are your impressions of Seattle as they roll into Game Two with a 1-0 series lead? Well, uh, look, I mean, they, they beat Colorado both games in Colorado during the regular season. So, you know, I, I think going into there, yes, the stakes are far greater, uh, obviously, at this time of the year. But, you know, let, let's, you know, let's remember that, Grant, you know, that they are a second-year team. It's like got seven guys in that team that won a cup. Aren't too many second-year teams that we're used to seeing that already have seven Stanley Cup winners on yeah. their team. So, uh, you know, it... it uh, it's not something that, that, that would, that it's going to scare these, this team. I mean, they've had, you know, as I said, they've got players that have already been through the trenches. I, I think, you know, the, the interesting storyline right now is, is Philip Grubauer haunting his, his former team, at least in game one. And I think, you know, Nathan McKinnon was at, was asked about it after game one. And, and he had some, you know, he was like, I really didn't pay much attention or something 
along that line, but, you know, really kind of dusted off the question. But, you know, look, the last time Grubauer was, you know, he played for Colorado, he lost four straight to Vegas, and then he found himself jettisoned. And so I'm sure for him this has got to feel really good, at least, to get, you know, to get the first one under the belt. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think that, you know, in, you know, you're hearing, you know, Jared Bednar may split up McKinnon and Rantanen tonight. Um, that seems to be the, the conversation. It, it, it surprises me that, you know, that the Colorado Avalanche are looking to make those adjustments after game one. one. But, you know, yeah, especially being on home ice where you have last change. I don't know if we need uh, look, Jared Bednar, whom I, I'm not here to question. And it just, I, it just caught me off guard when I heard that they were breaking them up. But, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised at Seattle. I mean, I think you've had before the, the playoffs started. Philip Grubauer has to be their best player. And he can't, you know, he can't give up a softie to these guys. And so, you know, one game in, it, it, it's been it's been a good story. Uh, and the other thing with, with, with Seattle, when you look at, at game one, what did they do? They scored three goals all at even strength. They were the number one team in the NHL five on five this year, or at least they had scored the most goals in the NHL five on five. So when you can play that way over 82, you know, it, it sure gives you more than a puncher's chance when you get to the playoffs. Yeah, and, and the way that they, you're right, the, the way that they suppress shots and suppress chances, it, it gives their meh goaltending a chance. And and we know that Grubauer is capable of better than what we've seen from him in his two regular seasons with Seattle. And if if that comes out in the playoffs, all of a sudden they're, uh, they're that much more formidable. But Dave Haxtell, I give that guy a ton of credit. He, he has that team bought in, and they play a very sustainable and very buttoned-up brand of hockey that has got them into the playoffs. And, and even if they get gentlemen swept here, I, I still gave, give Dave, yeah. Dave Hextall a ton of credit for how he's got this team to play. Well, then you take a look at how, he, how they spread out the ice time. I mean, Daniel Sprong, a 20-goal scorer, is a, was 11th on time on ice this year amongst forwards for the Kraken. They found a way to get the most out of their guys. They don't overwork them. You know, you had the, you obviously had Jared McCann who had the forty goal season. Um, but outside of that, you know, look, you yeah, you've got a lot of capable players. And what you had uh, twelve or thirteen guys that scored at least ten goals. So a lot of weapons on this team, and uh, everybody seems to be buying in. And and how about the guy that scored the first goal for Seattle? Uh, in game one. I mean, National Predator fans have to be throwing up in their mouth. And Tolvanen, yeah. Yeah. Good. They've sprung Tolvanen. There's a pair of waiver claims that have been huge yeah. for the Kraken this year. Yeah. 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 And I think that, you know, look, Dan, look, in, in, in fairness, I mean, Daniel Sprong, this is team number three for him. And the one thing, the one problem that, or the one issue with Daniel Sprong is that you know, he didn't play a two, the 200-foot game. But it seems like, at least with the Seattle Kraken, and, you know, I, I haven't, uh, you know, dove into numbers that deeply, but when he's 11th in, in time on ice amongst forwards, it tells me that Dave Haxtell is using him very situationally and, and understands what his limitations are. And so, give, you know, it's worked out. It's been a great marriage for Sprong in Seattle, whereas it didn't work in Washington and Anaheim. 
Final team to look at is the Vegas Golden Knights. They lose their first game at home to Winnipeg. The Jets roll in and, and play them well and take a 1-0 series lead. They get some uh, goals from important players. Dubois scores, Wheeler scores, obviously Connor scores for them. Uh, and Winnipeg uh, goes in and stuns the home crowd at Vegas in this one-versus-eight matchup. What would you like about Winnipeg, or maybe what didn't you like about Vegas in game one of that series? Well, what I liked about Winnipeg is that they looked like the team that we saw maybe for the first two months of the year. You know, that, that looked like they were going to win the Central Division. Um, they, they, you know, this, this looked like a Rick Bonus coach team. They were they were very smothering. I think what, they gave up, they gave up like 17 or 18 shots on goal. Uh, Vegas never got in sync. Mark Stone looked like a guy that was, you know, trying to find his way back in after being gone, you know, since January. Uh, you know, look, I would expect them to be better uh, than they were in game one. They're going to have to be better. Uh, but, but yeah, give, give Winnipeg full credit for the way they played. It, it, they, they, they looked like, you know, a team that we thought, you know, could have been or could be Canada's best team, at least early on in the season. And what about, uh, what about Vegas? Anything that they need to do differently going into game, uh, game two tonight? Well, um, I, look, I, 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 they've got to find a way to just generate more offense. I mean, you know, they, they, that's the big thing. I mean, you, you're not going to win too many games, you know, you know, with 17, 18 shots on goal. That was, mm-hmm. I think, one of their lowest totals. In, and I, and I, I'm trying to remember, I, I saw the stat. But, uh, you know, you, that's the big thing. Find, find a way to just generate more shots on Connor Hellebuck because, you know, 17 is, you know, it, that may be, you know, some goalies in the league, but it ain't going to be Connor Hellebuck on too many nights. So, yeah, I, I think it, 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 it's it's really just, you know, it was Jack Eichel's first game. Like I said it was Stone's first game in a couple of months. Well, I, again, I, I'll, let, let's, let's see, reevaluate after what we see tonight. I mean, look, Tuesday night was a night where all the home teams lost. Uh it looks like one of them is, is going to change that direction. Last I saw, Pat, was, it was 2 nothing Toronto before three I rip. jumped on with you. It's three now. Yep. Three. Okay. So, you know, uh, could this be the night that, uh, that home teams win? Now, here's the other thing I will say, you know, for, for Vegas. And just because this has been a trend that has been just unbelievable through the, the first 12 games of the playoffs. Score first and you win. That first goal uh, – 11 of the 12 games have seen the team that has scored first win. So uh, for Vegas, yeah, don't 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 try playing catch up yeah. against Winnipeg. Thanks, JD. Thanks, bud. Always a pleasure. Have a good week. You too. Enjoy Cabo. We'll talk to you next week. Jonathan Davis is our Pacific Division insider from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. As we start to wrap up this hour for Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Good week, my friend. Thank you, pal. My pleasure. For our producers, Cam and Taylor, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.